Hey there, it's Don and Catherine here, and before we start the show, we wanted to let you know about an exciting event that is happening this coming Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. August 9th, 2020. Uh, if you're listening to this a few years from now, you missed it, uh, <laughs> but you can probably still find it. Uh, it is at reddit.com. It's the subreddit r slash lose it. We are doing an AMA. And Catherine, did you know that AMA does not stand for American Medical Association what? in stands, this contest? It stands for Ask Me Anything. So we will be live on Reddit answering questions from fans and new people who don't know about us. Uh, so join us there. Ask us a question. Yeah, you can ask we a question. Hey. Ah. <laughs> Uh, exactly. So uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, noon Pacific time, this coming Sunday, August 9th, at the r slash lose it subreddit. Uh, be there or be square. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. Join us. See you there. And now enjoy the show. episode of We Only Look Thin. I am Catherine Weigel. I am still one of your hosts in yeah. this part two. I have lost about 145 pounds and with me again is... Donald Weigel and I am the other one of your hosts and I am still here to talk about losing a little over 100 pounds. Hooray! So this week's episode is uh, is a little bit late. We, we would have recorded it earlier, but Donald is compulsive about getting steps. Uh, we... <laughs> We're sitting down to record an episode. I was ready to go. I knew exactly what I was going to say. And then Donald said, no, no, wait, wait. I need to get up and get 250 steps. I did do that. And and I could just see the the love drain from her body. My will, my desire to live and fight on was fair. Like, I would not survive. You know, they do those, like, I survive stories where, like, I was accidentally helicopter skiing in yeah, Alaska, yeah. and I accidentally got lost. And exactly. I, I went through the snow for 10 days, and I just, you know, ate... I don't know, uh, beaver ears or whatever. Sure, for five that's days. as you do. As I wonder how do. many calories are in those. I don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, but the will to live just drained out of me. So I'm trying to pump myself back up. I am focusing on the way I want to feel. And we yeah. are focusing on part two of this episode. You know, people are like, what is the secret to your happy marriage? And the truth is, our marriage is hanging by a thread. Spite. <laughs> I just wanted to stop and get my 250 steps before the end of this hour. <laughs> and it almost cost. Us Woo! He, was like, he tried to cheer me up as it was happening. He shook <laughs> keys at me to keep me entertained. There have never been 250 steps that took longer to achieve. No. Whoa! Our marriage and our podcast are on razor's edge, on thin ice. Exactly. So many. And, and you all are here to witness it. It's live on tape. I was going to hide it, but I just want them to know that we too have our yeah. own struggles. That we're human, that we're not the, the gods of weight loss that we no. <laughs> appear to be. I don't know that anyone thinks that of us. No, but, they don't. Uh, but uh, this is a part two episode uh, uh, that was brought on by one of our dear listeners from across the pond. Hannah. Hannah. 
Hannah. Thanks, Hannah, for writing in. And if you'd like to write in, you can write in to weonlylookthin at gmail.com. Exactly. Uh, but, Hannah, we won't go through all the amazing things she said about us in the last episode. But Yeah, uh, go she back said and- we were awesome and super good-looking, I think. Yeah. I might, the details are a little hazy for me. Yeah, uh, because it was so long ago because right. you had to get into 150 <laughs> steps. All right, this isn't going to be let go anytime uh, yeah, soon. No, anytime it's soon. not. I'm actually just lazy and didn't want... I felt like he was personally attacking me with his steps as I sat here just with no desire to get in the steps. Well, as we're about to talk about compulsive eating, I I think, you know, I'm so compulsive about getting my steps now, which is a good thing. It's certainly a turnaround from all of the compulsive eating I used to do that I would have probably not been able to concentrate on podcasting once I realized that it was going, the hour was going to end and I didn't have my 250. But I'm so easygoing that I just don't even care about my steps. I just want to impart wisdom on our dear <laughs> listeners. So we're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which you're better than me. You're the better than me side. Is <laughs> or that what the you're lazier. Saying? I don't yeah, know. One we, of the we're two. not really sure. But um, anyway, so Hannah asked about struggling with compulsive eating and yes. sort of having that feeling of being gripped by a demon and yeah. wanting to make poor choices. Those words, gripped by a demon, were her words, but I have felt that way for sure. Yeah. So um, we went, in our last episode, we went through about four or 500 ways that you can get through uh, desires to compulsively eat. We went through the different kinds of eating disorders, binge eating, emotional eating, and compulsive eating. And we had so many amazing uh, things to impart on our listeners that we decided to break this into a two-part episode. We sure did. Uh, two parts for the price of one, everybody. <laughs> right. So imagine it was a uh, a compelling cliffhanger episode of The Thicker of Pibbly. <laughs> 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 Where you're like, I have to wait a whole week to get to the next one? Yeah, like, for those of you who might be listening to this one, you probably should go back and listen to the first part first. Um, uh, but we went down, um, Hannah mentioned that she had never seen Gilligan's Island. So we're trying to work in more references to UK television, such that. as the Vicar of Pibley. And uh, River City, which we all is beloved I mean, by someone. I don't know who, but someone I, is I've beloved. never missed an episode every Saturday, Saturday night, night on my on channel four telly for some <laughs> BBC something. Yeah, exactly. But it, you know, going. I know this is uh, everything's on track and off track and about weight loss, but there is such an ability to binge things these days. If you are caught up on We Only Look Thin, you cannot binge episodes. You yeah. just listen to them once a week. But we binge Netflix. We bi- like there is a there's a sort of indulgence that goes in with the idea of binging or compulsively listening to something or compulsively giving us positive reviews. Like you get a quick <laughs> fix out of it and the idea of moderation and pulling back is really hard in a society where we can do Amazon Prime and get things delivered the next day. If I I ordered something, oh my god, it has still not arrived a week I later. Know. I don't even want it anymore. Yeah, like yeah. If like I'm so spoiled by Prime and by just calling somebody and having food show up at the door or whatever, you know, a couple of hours later, it's just insane. You know, when I have to wait a week for something to show up in the mail. I actually ordered you something you don't even know about this. I ordered you something last week and it hasn't arrived and I want to just cancel it. So (laughs) I'll 
I'll follow up with customer service to see where it is. But at this point, I don't even want you to have it. And you don't even know about it. See, I, <laughs> I love this, though, because I didn't even know about it. And so I didn't have to, like, stress through the waiting of it showing up. And now but, you do. <laughs> but, I, but I think the bottom line here is that um, we're... You know, we are almost set up as a society to have these compulsive things. These we want instant gratification, and compulsive eating can be an extension of that. And in last week's episode, we defined the difference between binge eating and emotional eating and compulsive eating. And just to uh, briefly recap, compulsive eating is used to describe frequent episodes of uncontrollable eating. So, like Hannah said, um, you feel like you are possessed by demons. Like it's almost not you doing it, like you're you're out of your body. And I still to this day experience this kind of thing, and it can be very serious. Um, it's just I have come up, and Catherine has come up with ways to uh, limit how often these things happen, and we have some ways to try and snap ourselves out of it. And um, I also wanted to mention that it can be so serious that you really should seek a professional medical help if these sort of strategies don't work for you. And there are people out there who definitely need it. Now, Catherine and I did not seek professional help and have gotten it under control, but that may not work for everybody for sure. Yeah. So uh, we went through about, like I said, I think it was actually nine, not 500, but you know, we talk a lot. Some, yeah. some podcasts gives you, give you three tips. We've given you hundreds of tips and we're going to impart more on you now because there are so many different ways to approach this that might work for different people. And you don't have to employ every single one of these strategies, but if you can find one that you can hold on to, that can really matter. Just one will help you reframe your uh, condition because we still deal with this. We have lost the weight and still have to manage these compulsive behaviors. Yeah, for sure. And so I will start off by one uh, which is involves mindset. And I have said this before on this podcast, but the more I I have done this, the longer I've tried things and failed, I have realized that mindset is the component of hitting your goal weight that people don't talk about enough. And that I would go so far as to say it might even be 70% yeah. of the battle is getting your head together first, and then the rest of it is doing the work. But you have to have the right mindset, the right attitude, the right um, ideas in your head almost in order to do this. And in terms of compulsive eating, one thing that I have learned is not to give myself permission to start. And that is, I there's always this point where I'm like, well, I can have one more thing and yeah. it'll be fine, you know, and there's now this little voice in the back of my head which says, you know that you're trying to give yourself permission to start a binge. And so if you have that one more thing, that is going to give you permission to have two more things and three more right. things and four more things. And it's like I have this internal rule system and that as soon as I break one of those rules, then, well, why not let them all go? Right. It's sort of I, uh, I've i come up with my own trademark term, which will be on uh, mugs and uh, backpacks soon. Oh, I can't wait. No, that being calorically promiscuous. Oh, yeah. It's that like you're at a party and you're kind of drunk and then you make a choice that you regret forever. Yeah. Um, not that I've done that, but I've heard about <laughs> it on 
<laughs> on titillating shows such as EastEnders. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's that decisive moment when you make the choice to pick up the family size package at the grocery store, the moment you decide to peruse your cabinets to see what's there, the moment you take the first bite of the cookie, that decisive moment decides the future. In for a penny, in for a pound, as oh, they yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Very British. Which I actually was just going to say, and I didn't need the notice that uh, Hannah was from the UK to say it. I was just going to say it organically, but now I can't yeah. improve it. But it's that moment where you go, I'm just going to reach my hand in. You don't reach your hand in. You have rules around your choices where you just say, I do not eat treats during the day. I do not go for cookies before lunch. Like that is not going to happen. Yeah. And when you say no to yourself, like actually saying it, you're changing your neural pathways. I'm a scientist for a second, but <laughs> With that negotiation that you <laughs> I love that song. Thanks. You but, ought to get that song on mugs but, and things. But it's that decisive moment where we make the choice that matters. It's not the, you know, that movie Minority Report where we think about doing it. Yeah. It's when like that uses one part of our brain, but the actual action of reaching your hand out and grabbing the cookies, that is the moment you have to stop before it happens. Because once you give yourself permission to make that choice, like, well, I might as well even out the entire package. I hate having a third of a package. I prefer a half of a package because that's mathematically more acceptable to me. Yeah. Like, I have realized that I am a liar and I oh, will yeah. lie to myself all the time about, uh, about you know, being okay with eating one more thing or breaking my rule this one time. And I have learned that it always leads – that I – Deep down, I want permission to engage in this behavior because that that is still inside me. That demon, so to speak, is still inside me that wants to just eat all the food. Yeah. The next one is a really big shift for me, especially in the compulsive eating world. Uh, it is true for going anywhere with a hippie or going, going <laughs> anywhere with a giant bag of food. Never go to a second location. No. Never bring leftovers from the restaurant to your house. No. Never bring the giant bag of chips into the living room knowing that, oh, I'll stop after the first. Oh, yeah. I'll. So never bring a trigger food to a second location. This is another instance of you're lying to yourself. If you think you're going to save those leftovers for the next day, you're going to eat them before bed for I sure. I eat them in the car. I eat yeah. them. There's no tomorrow portion. It's all, even if you bring, you know, right now, if people are getting a lot of food, uh, you know, takeaway food or uh, home delivery, if I say like, well, I'm ordering, they had a two for one burrito special. So I'll save burrito number two for tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. There's yeah. never a tomorrow. No. You know at 11 o'clock at night, you're going to be eating that compulsively. For sure. Because and if you, can... if you take that full bag of chips from the kitchen into the living room, like just to eat a couple of chips, that is not That's happening. not a metric that yeah. anyone actually has ever done before. But it's that, you know, like if I am pre-portioning something out, the other day, I actually was going to br bring my meringues into the living room because you guys were waiting for me and I didn't want to be rude and pre-count things out and measure them. I just wanted I, – I was doing it for you. I almost brought the container of meringues into the living room and then I remembered I do not bring food to a second location. So I took out my four, I tracked them, and then I brought them into the living room. But bringing an entire package is basically – you should just assume that you're going to consume the entire package. Yeah. And we've talked about it before. One of our tips of the week, Tao! Tao, everybody! Was to – 
weigh the entire product first yeah. and track it. So say you have a thing of hummus. That's a metric. Um, <laughs> a thing. A thing. An entire thing of jelly beans. Yeah, that's a, that's an American measurement. Yeah. The UK may not have thing as, yeah. a, as a measurement. Um, but weigh the entire package of hummus, see that it's 1,500 calories, then soberly bringing it into the living room and realize that you are about to engage in a 1,500 calorie mistake. Don't get to that point. Keep it in the kitchen, measure it out, pack it up. If you have food that you've made for the week or, um, you know, you've made dinner and there's leftovers, put the leftovers away in containers before you sit down to eat. Because the other night I made fettuccine Alfredo for our daughter and there was a portion left in the kitchen and oh I came so close well, there's not enough for a whole dinner for her. I might as well just eat it now. Yeah. Mistake. And I called myself on it and I didn't eat it. But waiting for your tired self to make a good choice is not going to happen. Put the food away before you consume your portion. Absolutely. And speaking of making sober choices, uh, my next suggestion is to watch the alcohol. There we go. <laughs> and not only do I like to avoid drinking my calories, um, and look, I enjoy having alcohol from time to time still, but I, I do it infrequently because I find that I will drink my calories, um, whether it's alcohol or sugary drink or something, I'll drink my calories and it doesn't fill me up at all. So I've had, you know, 150, 200, 300 calories, whatever it is, but it hasn't done anything to curb my hunger. And then I'm eating on top of it, and it's just extra calories. It's it's very hard to work into a regular day and still feel satisfied and full. But also, alcohol is famous for making people promiscuous in the traditional sense of that word. <laughs> it certainly, <laughs> certainly for me, makes my food choices yeah. promiscuous as well. Copyright and trademark Catherine Weigel, 2020. <laughs> um, and I know that it can be when I loosen up because of a beer or two, like I am much more likely to make terrible food choices after I've had that alcohol. Right. And it's not the 160 calorie gin and tonic that I've had. That's the problem. It's the, you know, never ending breadstick, queso dip, guacamole. Right. Like those are the problems. Those are the big choices. So for me, being able to, if I have an alcoholic beverage, I plan my treat with it. And I put things away so I know I'm going to have a thing of chips, but I plan it in advance because if I just go back into the kitchen after I've had a cocktail, I'm definitely going to be a little bit more uh, interested in indulging. Ah, tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. If you're making exactly. that voice, if you're your own best friend, like, right. like uh, Brad Pitt in Fight Club with yourself, yeah. <laughs> but instead of fighting, you're just like, ah, cookies, yippee. Like, did they see Fight Club in the UK? I'm not sure if that's a... Know. No, I'm pretty sure they did. So as part of that, and I just uh, talked about Fight Club and pre-tracking uh, your snack, is to actually pre-track your day. I know that that can be difficult for some people, but once you get in the habit of it, it is so easy. Making choices in the morning when you're fresh, when you're motivated, and when you're most in control and have the most energy, if you pre-track your day and decide what you're going to eat, even pre-plan your snacks for the evening. If you're going to have ice cream, maybe scoop it out, put it in a little Tupperware container, 
and in the freezer so that at night you don't have to negotiate with yourself. Yeah. If you have a little um, container, we actually do this with our daughter, put some snacks in the container in the morning so that at night when she goes into the kitchen, she already has it ready to go. It actually does matter. Making those plans, seeing how your calories are playing out for the day, because I do leave myself a hundred calories of ice cream and a little cake cup. It matters to have pre-portioned snacks that I know that are ready for me. So it's not like I'm holding out and holding out and, oh gosh, now it's nighttime and I want to let loose. I know in the morning that I have a chocolate cake cup with vanilla ice cream for 270 calories waiting for me at the end of the day. So I'm not making those indulgent choices at the end of the night. And for me, it can be really freeing to not have to think about what I'm going to eat. If I sit down and I plan out most of my day and I pre-track it and then I have all of those things already, they're already in my app, they're already there, then I know and I don't have to think, well, how am I going to, how's this going to work out? Like how many calories am I going to have left? I've already figured out. I've taken 10 minutes and it's probably even less than 10 minutes. I've taken 10 minutes to figure out what I'm going to eat for most of the rest of the day. And then it's just the decision is done. It's there. It's over. And then I'm just a robot who's grabbing the things that I've already done. And another part of that, and it, it goes back to the last episode when we were talking about making healthy choices easier, I will oftentimes pre portion out things like I'll pre wash and pre portion out things like cherry tomatoes and blackberries and carrot, you know, baby carrots and things like that that are super low calorie and easy to eat. And I'll, I'll have them already ready to go. I do that in the morning and then they're in a container. And then later in the day when I'm busy and I don't feel like it or whatever, I don't have to go that extra step of washing something. It's already been pre-tracked. It's already ready to eat. And it's just a matter of grabbing it and starting to eat it. And it really helps me make those good choices. But he does that too. Uh, He has been known to sit with uh, a block of cheese in the living room and a a giant tray and break out portions of cheddar cheese uh, to enjoy later. So having those portions ready to go, planning for those indulgences instead of just sitting down with a block of cheese at 10 o'clock at night, he has his one ounce already pre-measured. And there are times when we're eating dinner and he he waits to have his treats at the very end of the night. He'll he'll have a sensible dinner and then he's got a little bag of Doritos and a little bag of chips and a piece of cheese and three candy bars, uh, three mini candy bars. And it's all pre-planned. There's no like, oh my God, he's out of control. Yeah. It's already planned and he's budgeted for it. So there's no shame in it because he knows he's already going to have it. And I could must be nice it, but he's planned for it. So there's no, you know, there's no decadence about it. It's just working it into his schedule. Yeah. And speaking of planning, the next thing on the list is to, uh, and this is, this can be a very tricky one, but it is to plan indulgences. And, um, I, I think that this goes into the category of three strikes and you're out that we talked about on the last episode, um, which, uh, again, our UK listeners have to maybe understand baseball to get, But the idea here is that you periodically you'll have a you'll have a decadent meal that goes probably way over what you normally would eat calorie wise. But for me, it's twofold. Um, One is that it allows me to 
to live realistically. Like if I know I have a party or a gathering or something coming up, like I've been playing online poker with some friends every couple of weeks and I have been typically... You mean every fortnight? (laughs) Every fortnight, exactly. Um, I have been typically saving those nights to, to have a beer or two and to have an indulgent dinner. And one, that gives me something to look forward to. And two... If I'm planning it, then it's all within my control. I'm not, it's not spur of the moment, and I don't feel out of control while I'm doing it. And then three, this is maybe the part where it gets super tricky, but it's almost like um, that terrible movie, The Purge, <laughs> where <laughs> where they, they, you know, one night a year, everybody gets all of their evil impulses out of their system. It, it for me, sort of feels like I'm getting those, you know, not evil impulses, but I'm getting that impulse out of my system that once every couple of weeks. And in the early days of of trying to hit my goal weight, I probably wouldn't have done it anywhere near that frequently, and I didn't because I didn't trust myself. But now I know that I can have an indulgent night and then go right back on, but it, it kind of gets that out of my system and allows me to then move on and get right back onto the plan. Yeah, and I've had, uh, I have a couple of things to say to this to predicate or to... Please do. So here we go. One, here we go. Um, <laughs> is It's never the indulgence that's the issue. It's the day after that's the issue. For and sure. so having an advanced notice indulgence is fine. As long as the next day you have all of the things you need to get right back on track and that it doesn't bleed over to a second day. So that might mean throwing out leftovers, you know, before the next day, not saving anything till the next day. Um, We went on uh, a getaway when I think I was probably three or four months into uh, weight loss. And I didn't really track the whole weekend. I just ate and indulged and indulged. But then I got right back on it on Monday. There was no, well, well let's continue to get takeout. Like, oh, Yeah, just- well, I've, I've blown it for two nights, so I might as well just keep going. Like, you can't, you know, that's the mindset part of this that you have to get over. Like, there's no, there's no blowing it. Like, you have the rest of your life to do this. And so an indulgent day, an indulgent weekend, an indulgent week, like if it's pre-planned for a vacation, you know, you have to then get right back on it. Right. And so I know about myself just because of my hormonal shifts during the month that I do get those, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I feel like a different person. Like it comes over me and I don't, you know, I feel like it's going to last forever, but I know that it's okay. It's tied to my hormones. It's tied to my stress. Get through this, start fresh tomorrow, not in a week from now when it's the turn of the month or after tax season or after Labor Day, which is an American thing. Um, <laughs> Guy Fox Day. That's the only day I know British people. Yeah, that's people the only have. British holiday. Boxing yeah. Day. That's a British thing, there right? There we go. Shrove yeah. Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Um, mm, pancakes. Uh, but <laughs> it's that stopping it. And starting fresh the next day or with the next meal that matters. If it starts just bleeding in day after day after day, you know you've got a bigger problem. And I know I'm repeating myself, but this is where the the tricky part of it comes in. You know, you'll have to experiment with if you can't have an indulgent day without then going crazy for the next two weeks or or week or whatever it is, then perhaps having an indulgent day isn't the right plan for you. But I 
I, over time, was able to work those indulgences in. And um, I think for most people that that can be helpful. Yeah. And to dovetail into that, my next uh, category is the idea of pairing. And I've talked about this on other episodes. Pairing is caring. Pairing is caring. Gretchen Rubin, a podcast host, friend of the show. Friend uh, of the show, <laughs> at least in our minds. Yeah. She has the social construct of pairing one habit with another. So it gives you a point of reference to be able to enjoy something. I used to compulsively eat bagels, literally would buy uh, 14 bagels for work, one uh, as my own bagel that I would tell the people that I was buying from, oh, and this one is for me. But they'd give us a baker's dozen, that's 13. (laughs) I'd eat the 13th bagel in the car, so that's two bagels before work. Then I would wait until nine o'clock and eat another bagel. I'd probably be in for four bagels, five bagels by the end of the day. Yeah, Um, and and me as her husband, her closest friend, I think, I didn't know this was happening, which can be a little scary. Like this was this was done in secret. So, you know, it it's you know, and I was doing similar things. <laughs> like my version of that was typically stopping at Burger King and having their veggie burger and, you know, onion rings on the way home. Yeah. So when you pair a treat, it gives you permission to have that. So sort of like Donald pairs an indulgence with a an evening poker night with the fellas. Yeah. The I, buddies. The buddies, the chums, um, the lads, as they say. Uh, I'm so embarrassed that I even said that. I will never try to use (laughs) an accent again. Uh, But I pair having a haircut with getting a bagel. I have them outside of the house because I know that I can't bring them into the house. I have them in public seated at the bagel re or the the bagel place, restaurant, cafe. Sure, exactly. Um, And I only have it when I get a haircut. Now, since COVID, I have not had a haircut, have not had a bagel. That's okay. I'll have one again someday, but not right now. Yeah, exactly. Or pairing with an event like a poker night or when you get your oil changed or when you get your when you pay your quarterly taxes or tying it into something periodic that you can enjoy with. So if you know you love potato chips and you cannot stop yourself from having them in the house, Pair it with when you go to pay your quarterly taxes. Do it when you get a haircut. Do it when you color your hair, when you pay your rent or your mortgage. Having it at a specific time gives you something to look forward to. It takes away the shame of it. It takes away the should I, shouldn't I, do I deserve it, do I not deserve it, because I think that hurts me a lot. And then having that to look forward to, for me, it has made all the difference. Like I said, it takes away the shame. It has to be portion controlled. But it also, you know, one one other way to do it is to pair it with having it socially with a friend. Yeah, don't keep it secret. Yeah, don't have it. So if we go get um, Burger King now, we do it together as a family we get the single portions, we get, you know, everything is above board. It's not in secret. When I'm throwing away packages so that no one else can see it, that's when I know I've hit the danger point of an indulgence. And Burger King is an American fast food chain, which I don't know if they have in the UK they or not. They had Burger King in Denmark when I was a kid, so I think they have it there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. that's fun stuff. It's probably like uh, Sir Royal Burger, which <laughs> they have in the UK that I just invented. Sir Royal Burger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... My my next suggestion is to uh, keep some sort of a log or journal, not just of what you're eating, but 
keep a log of how you're feeling or or if you have a binge episode, a compulsive eating episode, try and keep track of what was happening, what was what you were feeling or what you were eating that triggered it, that got it started so that you can try and eliminate those things or to change them up and and get over it. And we mentioned in the other episode about I can't eat sugar in the morning. Like I can't eat all of those traditional sugary breakfast foods in the morning or else it just leads me to want to binge all day or to compulsively eat all day. And so I I only eat protein or a very heavy protein for the first part of the day. And I even found that I can't eat breakfast um, in the morning. I, it's not that I can't, but I, I prefer not to eat breakfast in the morning. I eat it, I start eating in the afternoon and it really helps me to then not eat all of those, you know, promiscuously uh, sugary foods throughout the day. Yeah. And I think knowing yourself and following those patterns, I am not a big journaler, but I do keep a 90 day habit tracker where I track the days that I'm eating at my deficit and the days that I overeat. And I actually have it laid out Monday through Sunday. And I can see patterns of behavior. Because if I see that every Friday I'm overindulging, what is that coming from? Oh, let's see, I weigh myself on Friday mornings. So I give myself permission to overeat on Friday nights, because it's the farthest point from which I'm going to weigh myself again. Oh, wait, on Tuesday, Tuesdays, I have a stressful customer call every week. And I'm finding that I'm overeating on those days. Oh, Sundays, is when I go to church and I'm finding that yeah that's when I go to the church social and I'm you know I'm having coffee and donuts with all the people at church once you start seeing that pattern of behavior over time tracking what life events are happening I see from my uh my heart rate tracker and my calorie tracker. I had a very stressful Thanksgiving last year. Uh, and that's when we celebrated uh, coming to America and eating uh, pie. Uh, very, <laughs> very, you know, just look in the history books. It's all there. It's all about pie. Yeah. Um, but my heart rate went up. Isn't it all about pie really yeah, in the end? pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but my heart rate my and my weight and my calories all went up commensurate with the stressful experience. So it's not a surprise that I had some compulsive eating disorders, which there were actual secret bagels then. I don't even know if I told you about that. No, I don't there think so. There was a bagel shop right next to the Marriott where we were staying. Oh, wow. So... Uh, <laughs> huh. Secret bagels well, were had. But, yeah. but seeing those patterns of like, oh, when the kids are out of school, when, when I decide you know to look at Pinterest for cookie recipes. Oh, I'm making cookies for the neighbors and I end up eating half the dough. Seeing those patterns in yourself, seeing the triggers matters because the more we are self-aware of our patterns, the more we can avoid them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, this next one is is huge and goes back to that uh, mindset that we were talking about before. And the last big one that we have, or at least I have, is do not negotiate with yourself. When you start, you know, you are a smart person, you are an intelligent and capable person. And because of that, I know for me, because I am a smart and capable person, you sure I are. can justify any action. Oh, I can my goodness, invoke yes. loopholes. I can say, well, I've had a hard day. I've been so good. We had a stressful week. Why don't we just YOLO? Like all of these... <laughs> You know, Donald, why don't we YOLO? Why don't we just YOLO? As the kids say. Which for our UK listeners is you only live once. 
Yeah. I don't know if they have YOLO there. I don't. Who knows? Maybe they live multiple (laughs) times. I don't know. But when you start justifying, oh, I'll just see if I can manage this. Oh, I'll just have one. Oh, it's just, just, just. Once we start saying just, we are negotiating with the rules that we set out for ourselves as people with eating disorders. Like we, there are reasons we have rules around our food. There are people who can moderate. There are many things I cannot moderate. There are some things I can, but there are things I just literally cannot bring into the house because I cannot control my portions. I'll just see if I can manage it now. I have lost a hundred pounds. Why don't I just see if it's okay for me now? Other people, my, you know, in my family can eat that why can't I eat it? We have discovered that we are unreliable narrators to our victimization, oh to goodness, our overwhelm, yes. to our ability to moderate. There are things Donald can do. <laughs> there are things Donald can do with Reese's peanut butter cups that I cannot. <laughs> but like I can't have his candy. Like yeah. I can't do it. I can't have our daughter's food. Like there are things that are just off limits to me. And I can see that as a punishment or I can see it as a form of self-protection because I know my triggers. I know that hyperpalatable food, crunchy, salty, sweet, whatever, anything with flavor uh, that comes in a shiny <laughs> package, I want to eat. I am all on board for it. So eat nothing but water chestnuts which have no flavor at all that is cat what Catherine is saying yeah but don't negotiate with yourself well i'll just give it a try oh i'll just have one cookie and then i'll have a salad that's not what nobody wrote a story about i had a cookie and then a salad that's not a thing humans do no absolutely So, so being a super super honest with yourself being aware of that desire to take that first bite to challenge yourself. Well, let me just see if I can moderate myself. Those lies that we tell ourselves about why we're making three dozen cookies for our kids' class, and magically the kids only each get half of a cookie because you've eaten all of the dough before you get to class, which is actually happening to me. I oh like let, you, let me just make those cookies smaller. Yeah, exactly. So watch the times when you're just like, oh, I'm just going to moderate mini bites for the kids. Like when you're saying you're doing it for the children or for society or to help local businesses. When you're saying that, there are many people who can moderate, who can manage supporting local businesses. Randomly eating pizza on a Wednesday night just on a whim is not how I lost 100 pounds. It was calculated. Yeah. And calculation matters, like for people with eating disorders. And that was one of the big eye-opening things. And, you know, I've said over and over again about mindset being 70% of this. um, And it really is true that I lied to myself all the time. And it was catching myself on my lies. There is this big part of me, this demon inside, as Hannah puts it, who just wants to give myself permission to eat all the stuff. Oh, I've just been too, I've been so stressed. I deserve this. I've been so good. I had such a hard day. Like all of those lies that we tell ourselves that give us permission in order to start a binge or, you know, Maybe we would not intend to start a binge, but we eat those first couple of bites and then it's off to the races and there's no stopping it and no controlling it. And it was becoming super honest with myself and realizing what a liar I have been most of my life to myself. That has been one of the keys to making this happen. And that ties into the, you know, don't negotiate with yourself. Like, Catherine was saying. I mean, it's all part of the same thing. Yeah. And anyone who says that there's one way to get 
this problem solved. I don't think that they have the full scope <laughs> that we have. There are probably <laughs> 50 other ways. I mean, there are professionals out there who manage behavioral disorders and can do cognitive behavioral therapy and lots of different ways to help you manage your plan and your problem. But the more self-aware you are, the more, more knowledge you could bring to a professional about your routines, about your habits, it matters. And we have given you so many examples of ways that you can better understand yourself and your compulsive behaviors. There are boundary issues. There are emotional issues. There are circumstantial issues of just creating a more appealing environment for yourself. All of it matters. But if you can take away one tip from any of these last two episodes and you can start implementing it and then add another and another, not all of these are going to apply to every single person listening to the podcast. There are things that Donald can do or things that he can moderate that I cannot. And knowing that you're not broken because something that works for me doesn't work for you or something that works for Donald doesn't work for me, it's okay to create a plan for yourself that actually works. And to put, it's not about putting constraints on yourself. It's about giving yourself more control over your behaviors because we have to advocate for ourselves in a way that matters. I used to think that if I was Oprah Winfrey and I could just hire someone to knock food out of my hand, that I would be fixed. That is not the way people manage their health. It's about mindset, self understanding, and not relying on that willpower, but creating a more appealing environment for yourself. And always remember that even if you do, if the demon does take over and you have a compulsive eating episode, that it is not the end of the world. Totally. And that when you're in the middle of it, it can seem impossible to stop. But try your best to think about all of the strategies that we've talked about. Try to em employ them. Um, try and take back control of yourself. Walk away is really the best strategy. Get away from the food. Don't make it easy for you. Like, you know, maybe you're eating something right then. Don't stand there with the package open, ready to keep going. Put it away. Walk away. Get back away from it. And look, it. I have no easy answers to what to do when you're in it. Like I know that it can be impossible or feel impossible for me, but also not beating myself up and remembering that if it happens, that I can then get right back on my plan the next day. And it is not an excuse to give up all of the progress that I've made. It's not an excuse to continue binging for another day or another two days or another week or another month like I used to do. I used to have that all or nothing attitude. Well, I've broken it. I've broken the diet. I might as well just eat what I want right. now. Giving up that mindset and getting right back on it and and then moving forward with employing the strategies that we've given in the last two episodes um, can help you from having another one of these episodes the next time. Yeah. And I think uh, Cookie Rosenblum, who is a podcaster who has uh, or was featured on an episode of a podcast called Brain Over Binge, something that really resonated with me as a compulsive eater, as someone who used to suffer from bulimia nervosa, um, and who is still managing that they made it clear that it's never about the idea of being completely fixed. It's about reducing the frequency, the length of the 
event and the intensity of the event. And thinking about the fact that Donald and I would go a year between our like, oh, we're on a diet, on a diet. Then we go to Las Vegas, eat a giant cinnamon roll from Cinnabon. And then we wait another year to start getting our food under control. That is like, in terms of duration, waiting nine months, 10 months to get back on plan, that used to be our plan. Now it's three days. So we've reduced the duration, the intensity, and the frequency of those events. And I would probably have have compulsive eating episodes three, four, five times a week yeah. back in the day, and and now maybe it's once every few months that something hits me and I, I I have one. Right. So not seeing yourself as either fixed or broken, but seeing it as a continuum in which you're trying to reduce the frequency, the duration, and the intensity. For me, seeing that mindset made a really big difference in letting go of the shame that I had around my compulsive eating disorder. Because we are still managing it, we are vocal about it, and the more we share our experiences even with each other or with our, our support group like uh, Walt, Walt Place, W-O-L-T yes. Place, um, the more we can do that, the less shame we feel around the experience. And shame is something that perpetuates these negative behaviors. So if find something in these episodes that you can take with you, just pick one thing, start there and move forward with it. If you need additional support, go to a healthcare professional or find a group that you can be really honest and vulnerable with because it does matter. If we can change, you can change. We had all of the trappings and all of the reasons to overeat for decades. And if we can get past it, I know that you can put plans in place to correct your behavior as well. Yes, you can. And thank you so much for listening to the show. We really deeply appreciate each and every one of you, uh, truly. Um, if you uh, liked what you heard and want to listen to other episodes, uh, we, we've they're all available wherever you can find podcasts, or you can go to our website and find them all at weonlylookthin.com. And you can also, uh, if you're curious, we run, and by we, I mostly mean Catherine, run a support group for women uh, online um, called Walt Place. We only look thin place. And if you want to find out more information on how to join that, click on the join our support group link. Yeah, on our website. And uh, if you would like to email us, like dear Hannah, you can send us an email at weonlylookthin at gmail.com. You can send us uh, a message or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at weonlylookthin. And uh, you can also uh, do us a favor, if you wouldn't mind, and take a few minutes, go to Apple Podcasts, and give us a rating and a review. Um, It won, uh, giving us a nice uh, five-star rating with some nice words, boosts our egos. And wouldn't you like to boost our already giant egos (laughs) and uh, our pretend giant egos? And two... Um, it really helps uh, people find the show because the more ratings and reviews we have, the higher we end up in search results when uh, people are searching for health and fitness podcasts on Apple. Yeah. So uh, if you still don't know the difference between the Vicar of Pembley and uh, Jeeves and Worcester, you can go to the Internet Movie Database and look those up. But if you're trying to remember strategies for compulsive eating, just remember that Catherine and I are an inspiration. Asian, Asian. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. 
you should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.